and somebody asked me, how is it having a, a baby girl? Because, of course, I wanted, you know, a boy, a third one to be the boy, as you all know. And I was thinking about the other day, and I said, well, she's really good. She doesn't cry. I mean, hardly ever. Hardly ever. Not yet. She sleeps a long time. The, the second day, I think, home from the hospital, she slept four hours at night. Can't beat that. Doesn't cry, doesn't really make a fuss. Just kind of. Maybe I do like girls, I didn't even know it. Maybe I like baby girls. I don't know. They make my life easier. I know my two boys. They do not make life easy. I believe that. All right, we're, ta- we're starting back at part part three. Do we got it somewhere? Anywhere? <laughs> there we go, the tribulation part three. Now, this was something I was doing on Wednesday night. Obviously, I had two lessons before this, and I stopped the week before Vacation Bible Camp. Then that Wednesday, we had v- VBS. Then, pastor came back, surprise, came back and did his lesson about the lanterns and the lights over in the McKinney Hall, and then he was back last week, so basically I was thinking, I guess I won't be able to finish my thing, but yesterday he asked me to teach because Pastor Strange wouldn't be able to make it, and so I'm just going to finish it here. Most of you that come on Wednesday night come here anyway, and vice versa, so hopefully you'll be able to catch back up right exactly where we are. And I will do a little bit of review so everybody knows exactly where we're at and you should not be left behind at all. So before that, in our class, we always like to start out with something good. Woo! You can't beat that. The only thing that made me upset was he said to me today, when he showed me those pictures, he said, I was going to ask you to come. Why do you even say that? Why do you even say that? I was going to ask you to come. You know, I really was, but just, just don't even mention that. Just don't even mention that. But they had a good time. Had a real good time. I think Vito, Vito, Adrian, and I think one other person went out with them. Good. So here's some review. Catch us up about the tribulation period, the seven years. I've asked this question on my last review because it's important. What makes the seven-year tribulation different from other tribulations? Jesus said that there's going to be, yes, a great tribulation, but he also said in the world you're going to have tribulation. There's some differences, and it's important to know that there are differences, and there's some confusion, even with the early believers uh, at Thessalonica. They were thinking that they were possibly in the tribulation time, and Paul says, no, you're not. They were facing severe persecution. But what makes it different? Does anybody remember one of the things that make the tribulation period, the seven years, different from normal tribulation? How about this? I'll start you out with the first one. It's going to be worldwide. It will be worldwide. It will be worldwide. Repetition is a key to learning. Remember, we talked about that. It is. So it's going to be worldwide. And let me see, I think i got a verse for you. Yeah, Revelation 3.10 says, Because I has kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell 
on the earth. It's going to encompass the entire world. It's not going to be isolated. We hear about hurricanes. Yeah, they happen in Florida. But that is pretty much an isolated event to our part of the world. Yes, we have earthquakes in different areas, but the whole world is not shaking to its core. We have disease, and I would say COVID would probably be about one of the closest things that has encompassed the whole world recently and has affected the whole world. Uh, but that's just a sliver. That's, that doesn't even compare to the, the judgments that are going to come upon the entire world. So it's going to be worldwide. Also, the difference, the other difference is the way humans behave. There is going to be a difference in the way humans behave. People now, we talk about the end of the world. We hear a lot about global warming, and then they switched it to climate change because global warming didn't really fit really well. So they switched it to climate change, and people talking about the Green New Deal, how the world is going to end, and I mean, what did they say? A couple years ago, we had 12 years left. Is that what they say? 12 years? Something like that. And, but you know, there's a lot of talk about that, but people really aren't changing the way they live very much. I mean, I'm not. If the end of the world, if I really thought the end of the world was coming very soon, I mean, I'd have a, I'd, I'd have a bunker. I'd supply a bunch of food in there. I'd be hoarding a bunch of stuff. I'd be hoarding guns like Pastor Bill. But besides Pastor Bill, you don't see a whole lot of people really acting like it's the end of the world. We hear a lot of talk about it. <laughs> if a tragedy happens, it's a great place to go, by the way. A verse I've got for that, the way men behave is Revelation 6.16, and, and said to the mountains and rocks, these are people saying, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. People are going to even seek death. That's how bad it is going to be. So when does the tribulation begin? Daniel 9.27 gives us a glimpse of that. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That is the beginning of the tribulation period. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease. We won't read it for time's sake. But that is when it stop, starts, is when that covenant is made. Revelation 9 through 6 through 19 describes the tribulation in detail. And three series of judgments, we've already been over this, was the seven seals. Today we're going to look at the blowing of the seven trumpets. We're going to look at the pouring of pouring out of the seven bowls or vials. And some other things from last, oh, here's are the seven seals just quickly. The movement for peace on the earth, removal of peace and wars that engulf the earth. There's going to be famine, the death of a quarter of the earth. I want you to remember that for later in this lesson. Death of a quarter of the population of the world. Think about that now. I mean, if there's 8 billion people on the earth, a quarter... Is what, two? Two billion? That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Believers are persecuted and martyred for their faith. There's universal havoc, earthquakes, the sun darkened, a lot of good stuff. Meteor, shower. And the seventh one is there is silence in heaven. And as soon as one judgment uh, is finished, it picks up on the next one. So, last time we met, we talked about the program of the Antichrist is where we spent the majority of the lesson, and in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the Antichrist makes a treaty with Israel. Um, he will invade and conquer Egypt, and Russia from the north moves down to take over Israel, but God supernaturally delivers them. You can read about that in Ezekiel, I believe it is 38, 39 is when 
where it talks about that and how the northern armies come down to uh, pillage Israel. This is commonly referred to as the Battle of Gog and Magog, and how if it wasn't for God intervening, Israel would have been wiped out. But God allowed it to happen in the middle of the tribulation, and then, of course, with Russia out of the way because God took care of it, the Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel and will set himself up to be worshipped. Notice that God actually allowed that to happen. God allowed it to happen. The world is not totally spinning out of control. God is in control. He knows what's going on, and he allows things to happen. So when you think that your world is spinning out of control or that the country or the world in general Know that God knows what's going on. And he orchestrates certain events and allows certain things to happen to set up a bigger picture. We're just small-minded. I hate to say it. We're small-minded humans. We don't know everything that God's got going on. And so when tough times come in, know that God has it under control. So the Antichrist sets up to be worshipped. And as the political leader, some nations, yes, they attempt to stop him. But the Antichrist positions himself in Palestine as a religious and political leader of the world. This Antichrist he experiences, as it were, wounded to death. So he is going to experience, most Bible scholars believe that he is going to be dead. I mean, like maybe an assassination attempt, we're not exactly sure. Maybe an assassination attempt, but definitely to the place where that guy's dead. I mean, no quite, like when Kennedy was shot. Many of you that saw the videos of that, there wasn't much question. It was pretty much a done deal, and people knew it. However, he's going to be raised to life, same verse, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. That is going to get the world's attention. Some of them, they thought he was good before. Now they're going to think, wow, this guy is something special. But he's going to be energized by Satan, and he's going to be allowed to assume this role, and many people are going to follow after him, and they're even going to say, well, who can even make war against the beast? Then we're introduced to a second beast that appears, and this is the false prophet. And the false prophet, he doesn't promote himself. He promotes the Antichrist, the first beast. They even make an image of the Antichrist and force people to worship it. The false prophet allows this beast, gives it the ability to speak. How is that all going to work? I'm not sure. Is it technology? Is it a big scam? There's some other supernatural events that are happening anyways. I'm not really sure. But people are going to think that this image is really speaking, really talking, and they're going to be forced to worship it. And between the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet, I'm sorry, between Satan, the Antichrist, and uh, the false prophet makes up what is called the unholy trinity. And it's really just a slap in the face to... God. And taking the same thing that God does, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the devil is perverting it. So, we jump to the seven trumpets. We're jumping to the seven trumpets. The first one we have here, there's going to be hail and fire, a third of the trees and grass are burned. The first angel sounded as it were, as and there were followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. Think about that. What, what that is going to do to the world. Just the third of the trees and the grass that are burned. And that's a lot. Think about paper. Think about houses that are going to be 
built. Think about how much stuff wood is used for. And it's going to be detrimental for sure. There's going to be this judgment on the sea. Revelation 8, 8 and 9. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning. Think about that for a moment. I highlighted and I underlined, as it were, to point it out to you. A few weeks ago, I talked to you about the literal interpretation of Scripture and how we take the Bible literally unless it gives reason otherwise. What John is saying here is he says, what I'm seeing, it looks like this. Is it going to be an actual great mountain burning with fire? Not necessarily, but, but when he's ready, that's what it looks like to him. And we see that, I believe, Revelation 9 has the most of those where it shows uh, things similar to what they are. So think about that. And that ha- goes right along with that literal interpretation of Scripture. This great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. That's a lot of death. We eat a lot of fish around here in southwest Florida. We eat a lot of seafood. A third part of the ships... Think about how much stuff is, I mean, half the stuff we probably have in our house came over on a slow boat from China. I mean, just look somewhere, made in China, made in China. It didn't get over here on an airplane, it came over here on a boat. Your Amazon package is not going to get here on time. I can tell you that. When a third part of the ships are destroyed and, and the life. And so it's going to affect commerce, it's going to affect uh, uh food as well, and people, um, this is going to even play on famine, is going to be part of this. The third one we have here, as we move along, a third of the rivers, I guess I clicked it too many times. Let's see what we got here. One more time. Oh my goodness. I think I got it, maybe. Try it now. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. We got it. A third of the rivers are polluted and many die. So not only that did the sea just get smitten, but also the rivers. And the third angel sounded and fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were, there it is again, a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and the fountains of the waters. And the name of the star was called Wormwood and the third uh, part of the, of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Why would people drink them if they're bitter? Well, how long can you last without water is a question. Not long. Some people say seven days. I find that a stretch. Out here in Florida, it's about three hours. <laughs> people are going to be thirsty. I mean, you see, we you know, hear about these stories of people being stranded at sea, maybe on a, a small raft or some little floating object. They get so desperate, they start drinking salt water. You know what that does to the body, how it starts shutting down organs. Not good. Many people are going to die. Number four, the sun, moon, and stars are darkened, and a third part of all of it, and it's pretty much probably going to be like Alaska, where your days and nights are all mixed up. It's dark at weird parts of the day. That's the only thing I can guess from it. And as we move into the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet judgment, 
you see here where I have an underline that says, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are not yet to sound. The next three ones, next three judgments are called the woe judgments. Locusts torment those on the earth. And it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened up the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke... There it is again. As the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded that they should not hurt the grass of the earth neither any green thing neither any tree but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. These are going to be locusts but they're not going to be like any locusts that we've seen before. They're not going to go and try to pillage crops and destroy farmlands. They are going to torment people, and that is their only job. And they are going to have something similar to what scorpions have, to where they can sting people and they can torment people. Right now in my, my, uh, my house, I am in a battle with sugar ants. It is an ongoing battle. How many of you, last couple, maybe month or so, the sugar ants, they are everywhere. I just, I mean, it's crazy. They get in every little crack, every little crevice. This is going to be way worse. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be, they're, they're going to get inside people's houses. They're going to be, I mean, so many of them. I mean, it's probably going to be similar to the plagues in Egypt with the, with the frogs and the flies. I mean, you open up your cabinets, they'll be in there. And they're not just going to try to hide, they're going to try to attack you. It's horrible. It's horrible. And the, <laughs> anywhere you look, that's where they're going to be, in your cars. You can just imagine how people are going to be hiding. And Number six, the great armies turn loose upon the earth, and a third part of the men die. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. 000, I heard a number of them. A third part of the men now notice, under the fourth seal judgment, there was a, a fourth of the earth is going to be killed. And under the sixth tr trumpet judgment, an additional one-third is going to die. That is a lot of people. That adds up to just about 50%, I believe, if you do the math, of the earth's population. So say even right now, if that was to happen, eight billion down to four. Just from that, and that's not including all the other judgments that we already mentioned where people are dying from drinking the waters that are bitter, from other natural disasters and earthquakes, the population of the world is going to be drastically reduced during the tribulation period. And the seventh trumpet judgment is preparation for the bold judgments. And the seventh angel sounded, as it were, great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. There was seen in his temple an ark of the testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Let's move on very quickly to the bold judgments. Remember, these are just continuing to get worse and worse. And some of them, they don't sound worse, but the way the Bible indicates is that they ramp up in terror with each one. The wrath for the beast worshipers, a noisome and grievous sore upon the men. What's interesting is the beast has all this power in the Antichrist, the false prophet. They can do miraculous works, but they can do nothing to soothe the pain of their followers. Their followers are going to have these horrible 
sores, maybe like boils, not sure, maybe something like that. But the beast cannot help them in any way, even though he has some power. The sea becomes blood. Whatever left was in there from a third part of the, the seas dying, now seems like it's all gone. And every living soul died in the sea. Number three, the rivers turn to blood. So what little life we had left in bodies of water, even the rivers are drying up. Men are going to be scorched with fire. How is this going to happen? I'm not sure. Is it going to be? Maybe it will be climate change. Maybe there will be UV rays coming down and scorching and burning people. Maybe that's how it goes. I'm not sure. Number five, for time's sake, we're moving on here. The throne of the beast is cursed and people, they gnaw their tongues because of pain. I've never experienced any pain even close to that whatsoever. Can't imagine it, but it has to be so bad where they'd rather chew on their tongues to give them some sort of relief to feel pain in another area of the body. It's kind of like when you're, you know, when you're uh, you know, a kid and somebody says, ow, my finger hurts, and then so you just stomp on the person's toe so they forget about their finger. <laughs> kind of probably what it's going to be, something. I mean, just anything they can do to get any little bit of relief whatsoever. Number six, the river Euphrates dries up. This is preparation for Armageddon. Um, the great river Euphrates and the water thereof was dried up, and that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And... Of course, the seven, the cities, cities are destroyed and hail, stones, fall, and earthquakes, many other things, but we're going to move on. We had about eight minutes or so. And we have the Battle of Armageddon as we are finishing up. It says in Revelation 16, 14, For they are spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of, and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. After that sixth bowl judgment, the river Euphrates dries up, and the kings of the east go in and they it speeds up their move into Palestine for this great battle. Of course, that's where the beast and the false prophet, that's where their whole organization is going. Um, that's where their whole organization is going on at the moment, and they've definitely upset other people around the world. And they move in, and the armies of the east and west, they meet in the plain of Estrelaon, is the best way I can pronounce it, the area surrounding the mountains of Megiddo. Revelation 16, 6 says, And he gathered them together into a place that is called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Armageddon. Now this term Armageddon gets used, I think they even have a movie out called Armageddon, and it's used in many different things. If you type in the word Armageddon, sometimes you don't, when you, when you search it even like on Google, you'll see a bunch of things that aren't even about Armageddon because it is a word that even the secular world uses to describe a cataclysmic, a horrible, end-of-the-world type scenario. The valley of Armageddon is approximately 20 miles by 14 miles, and it's 60 miles north of Jerusalem. And while this is happening, and while these armies are assembling together from all parts of the world, coming together into Palestine, while that's happening, there's going to be some fighting in Jerusalem, house-to-house -house fighting. I believe Zechariah 13 and 14 
talks what's going to go on. I mean, horrible things. Uh, women even being, you know, raped and, and horrible, horrible things. There's also, there's a conflict in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. You can read about that in Joel chapter 3. And Isaiah speaks of Christ coming from Edom, which is south of Jerusalem. And in Isaiah 34, it talks about Christ um, having a bloody sword coming up from the land of Edom. So when we think about Armageddon, it's not just, it's not just that one specific one little location. I mean, there's a lot of activity going on in the land of modern-day Palestine right now to where there's conflict happening, going to be happening all over that area. And I think I, I think I should have taken that last sentence off. We'll find out. Ah, here we go. And while they're fighting, Matthew 24, it says, And then shall appear a sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and they... And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There's going to be some sort of sign that people know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming. Do I know exactly what that sign is going to be? Not sure. Pastor, he's, he has mentioned before that maybe it's a cross. I mean, what other thing would you recognize Christianity and Jesus as but a cross. Maybe that's it. I'm not sure. But I know it's going to be something that gets their attention. And while they are in this battle, they are going at each other. But when they see this sign from heaven and they realize what's about to go on, they are going to turn from themselves and they are going to collectively direct all their efforts to defeating Christ when he returns. Revelation 19.9 says, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. I don't believe that when they first get together that they are collectively assembling so that they are going to try to battle God. They are going to be battling each other and when Christ comes back and they see the sign, then they're going to say, wow, we've got to get together and they direct their attention towards Christ. So, then we see Christ, he sets his feet on the Mount of Olives and it splits in two. Acts chapter 1, we've seen Christ leave from the Mount of Olives and he sets his feet back on the same place that he left. Zechariah 14 talks about that. Also, we see the destruction that is going to happen when Christ does return. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. This is for us. We're troubled at what's going on in the world today. We're troubled what's going on in our government. We're troubled with what's going on with the heathen people of our world. We're troubled, yes, but rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's not going to be much of a fight even though they try to put up one. And at the conclusion of the battle, the Lord cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Christ completes his final stages of the battle, and it says that there was, uh, after this, there was a remnant slain with the sword uh, by him that sat on the horse, and the sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. How is Christ going to defeat all these people? 
I believe with his word. With his word. The same thing he spoke this world, this universe into existence. He's not going to have to lift his arm. He's not going to have to lift a finger. He's just going to speak and it's going to happen. And we have Satan is going to be cast into the bottomless pit. This is our last verse. And I saw the angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. And after the conclusion of this great victory, which we will be present for, what is going to happen is we are going to be ushered into the millennial reign of Christ. All those weapons that were used during Armageddon, they're going to be broken down. They're going to burn them. They're going to use them probably for farming because there's going to be no need for them anymore because Christ is going to set up his authority for a thousand years. So the tribulation at that point is over and we are ushered into the millennial reign of Christ, which is another topic for another day. Hopefully this gives you a nice overview. We could have spent all, we could have probably spent 10 weeks talking about the tribulation and in detail everything, maybe even more than that. But uh, that's where we're going to close it. I'm going to pray and we will be dismissed to the main service. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to go over some of these things. Thank you that we have such a clear picture about what is going to happen uh, at the end of the world and how everything is going to work out. And because of that, we have hope that we know you are in control of everything. We don't have to worry about it. If we're troubled, we know that you're going to take care of all the details and you're going to make all wrongs right in the end. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.